Hello and welcome to another episode of Chingonas Only Club. Before we get started, I wanted to update you guys on how the show has been doing since a lot of you have reached out to ask. So far, the show has been doing pretty good, getting recurring listeners, and I really appreciate everyone who has enjoyed the content thus far. Um, Last week, I uploaded later in the evening because I was having technical difficulties, and I genuinely thought no one was going to notice because... There's no way that I have someone waiting for my episodes. And I was both mortified and extremely happy to see that people did notice and they were like, is everything okay? What's going on? I've been waiting for an episode all day. So I felt bad (laughs) because I was like, yeah, no one's going to notice. No one's actually waiting for episodes. But it really just warmed my heart to know that I have listeners who are actually really supportive. And I just want to say thank you for that. Also, I've had a couple of people who have committed to subscribing to the show and officially making a monetary contribution. I really appreciate that so much. And I I can't thank you enough. Obviously, it does cost money to make the show. But I didn't get into this for the money. I wanted to get into this because I want to connect with people. So I appreciate that that's a bonus on top of everything and also a huge update i've been working on some merch for the show obviously all of this stuff is more than anything as eventually posted on the website but the people who have been contributing to the show already you guys are going to be the first ones to receive some of the merch when it does get finalized and comes in. I just want to say thank you so much for your support and just for being there for me. Without further ado, we're going to move into today's episode. So get ready, get comfortable, and let's dive in. On today's episode, I want to give you a little background as to why I chose to talk about this topic. We're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So I didn't know that my entire life, I think, I've dealt with imposter syndrome in my own endeavors, and it was never something that I even knew was happening until recently when I started to do a little bit of research and I started on my journey of self-discovery as to who I am, what I want to do with my life, what brings me joy, and all of these things. And I realized that I could put a name to everything that I've experienced, and it was imposter syndrome. And in my research and deep dive, I also found that it's not something that is uncommon particularly for minorities. Pretty much all our BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, uh, but also minorities, like women. So I wanted to talk about it because it's very important. I wish somebody would have talked to me about this when I was younger. To be honest, I think it should be something that we should share with our kids and talk to them about if you ever feel like they aren't feeling like they belong where they should be. For those of you who don't know and are not familiar with the term imposter syndrome, well, it can exist in different conditions. For me, I felt it, like I said, mostly in my American existence, like a constant voice that's always been there that says that I don't deserve to be considered an American in this country because I was not born here. Instead, I was naturalized after a grueling immigration journey and achieving this quote unquote goal, I felt I would disappoint those who chose me to walk with this 
quote-unquote privilege. Self-doubt essentially made me unable to properly assess my own competence and my skills in my day-to-day life and in my professional life because it always felt that the reason I got as far as I did was because others put their faith in me to do so. And I must have somehow manipulated them into believing that I was smarter and more competent than I actually was. And eventually someone would find that out. So it's insane when I say these things out loud. And for those of you guys listening, when you when people believe so much and you have so much faith in you to accomplish something and you're like, oh my God, what the hell do they see in me? What could they possibly see in me? Eventually I'm going to screw this up and they're going to find out. That's imposter syndrome. If you've ever felt that way, at all. If you've ever felt that you don't deserve the position that you're in, that you don't deserve to be the supervisor, that you don't deserve the promotion, that you're not ready, where you downplay your skills and you say things like, well, fake it till you make it, I suppose. Those little harmless remarks, that is a complete and direct result of imposter syndrome. So how has that impacted my life? I would say that imposter syndrome led me to become an extreme overachiever. There's no doubt about it. I had to do all of the things and I had to do them better than all of my peers. And when I didn't know what was happening, it presented itself as a source for my motivation. And it would force me to set extremely challenging goals that never seemed enough when I even, whenever I did accomplish them, they never seemed like I could meet my own expectations, even though I actually reached or accomplished those goals. So I've always downplayed what I do even to this day because I've been taught that humility is a comfortable place. Uh, But now, reflecting on everything that I've done, I realize that it's a comfortable place for people who expect me to shrink myself because any show of my confidence and level of skill I bring to the table is a threat to their reality, not mine. So... If you've never experienced this, I want you guys to know that it's a real scary thing to exist in a place where you don't think you belong, okay? And like I said, my BIPOC people, y'all know what I'm talking about. I've allowed a ton of people throughout my entire life and my career to downplay my accomplishments or allowed them to attribute them to luck and allowed them to tell me that my struggles were necessary to get to where I am today. And I never corrected them when all I wanted to do was just scream and say, it should have never been this fucking hard. And I'd say that all of this overachieving and need to meet people's expectations, they were in reality my expectations, but it all came from a sense of just feeling like I didn't belong. This need and this overachiever personality that developed over the years and essentially my entire life uh, led to me completely breaking down and those of you who know me personally I I've shared this with close friends and relatives uh, in 2019 sorry 2020 in 2020 right at the end of 2020 like in I would say August, September timeframe, I was completely burned out. I had achieved so much between 2018 and 2020 uh, in my professional life and my personal life. I had my third 
baby, my third and final baby. I got my bachelor's degree. I was promoted to chief petty officer. I went to work and was put in charge of 3,000 reservists and an entire region. I didn't have a supervisor above me at that time. And I was essentially running my entire region with zero experience on the job. I just had to figure it out as I went and then throw the pandemic on top of that. And we were working about, I would say, 12, 14 hour days. And I never complained. We were burning the midnight oil every single day, me and my my other two teammates. And I was like, okay, this is our time to shine. This is an opportunity, guys. Let's take it. Let's grab it by the horns and let's show people what we're made of. And we did. When I tell you, my team and I, we kicked butt in these mobilizations that we were required to do to send support to New York City whenever they didn't have medical personnel. We were in charge of sending medical, military medical personnel and manning the ships like the Comfort and the Mercy that went over to New York help supplement the hospitals with caregivers or healthcare professionals, sorry. So nobody saw that work unless you were there in our line of work, essentially. Nobody knew that there was people that were not necessarily healthcare professionals or frontline workers that were also a huge part of this movement. And I was so incredibly proud of my team and proud of myself for just enduring so much And I commended all of the sacrifices and the endurance to pretty much everything that had happened in my life. It's, this is my story. Shit gets really hard and we overcome. And shit gets really hard and we overcome again. And we continue in this cycle and people say it makes you who you are. It makes you tougher. It makes you just someone who is going to learn how to work through every situation. And you're just going to keep achieving and overcoming. But the truth is, that's not the case. Because you are a person. And it breaks you down a little bit. Every time that you put your needs aside and you overcome whatever situation you need to overcome for the sake of an organization or for the sake of other individuals, a little piece of you cracks. A little piece of you just breaks. And if you do that enough, you're going to come to a point where it's going to completely just shatter. And you're going to find yourself like I did. So I started to lose sleep. I was not sleeping. I was exhausted, but I could not for the life of me just go to sleep or stay asleep. And that's where everything started. And I was constantly stressing or thinking about work 24-7. There wasn't a time where I would come home and did not bring my computer with me. And I was always I was always available. Everybody had my cell phone number, my text messages, my phone call. Like it was always something. And I could never say no because the people that call me depend on me. These these sailors that call me, they're calling me because they need help. And I felt like I could not, not answer them, not help them. I couldn't do that to them because I knew that not many people do that. 
people draw these lines and they're pretty hard lines where they don't answer after working hours unless it's like the world is falling apart phone call. And I always judge those people. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I judge them very harshly because I said, you made a commitment to this organization and you made a commitment to your sailors. And why aren't you picking up the fucking phone? And so I always felt like somebody had to do it. Somebody had to pick up the phone. And what I didn't realize at the time is that those people that were not picking up their phones, they were relying on me too. They were, well, she'll answer. She's got it. She'll do it. And they weren't wrong. I I did. A lot of the times I ended up with so much shit just because I was the one that was always available, even though I wasn't, right? I have three kids. I have a husband. We were also struggling through the pandemic and everything that was happening around us. And I was still making all the sacrifices with my husband, of course. But so yeah, I started to lose sleep. I started to not be able to concentrate, not be in the best mood. I had a very negative outlook of really everything that was happening around me. People would congratulate me on all the wonderful things that I was doing. And I didn't care. I was like, okay, and whatever. (laughs) And it wasn't that I was ungrateful. But at that point, I was so far removed from my reality. And what a healthy life was that there was nothing positive that I could see. And I didn't realize that I had fallen into this very deep depression after the pandemic and the mass global panic that happened and the initial adrenaline of having to move all these people to the East Coast and the, the, I won't say glamour, but the initial rush of achieving so much so quickly wore off. I was extremely tired and extremely depressed. And I didn't know it. I didn't know it at the time. I was just going through the motions of my day. I would show up to work. I would do a million things. Half of them were not even in my purview to do. And then I would go home, complain about how exhausted and mentally drained I was to my poor husband. And then I'd work on some more things. And then I'd go to work and continue that for the next 12 hours. And that was essentially my routine. I started to sit and think that I needed help, but I didn't think that I needed mental health professional help. I thought that I needed my primary care physician to just give me something so that I could sleep because I kept telling myself that I felt all of these things and that I couldn't concentrate and that I didn't feel good because I wasn't sleeping. And if I could just sleep, then everything would be better. And at the same time, I was not letting go of any of the tasks and responsibilities that were being given to me. I wasn't saying no. I was still saying yes to everything because I felt like I needed to continue to prove that I was the right person for this job, which was ridiculous when I say it out loud. (laughs) But one day... Uh, I got to work and I was really happy that day. And I shared with all of my coworkers, I was like, oh my God, I'm finally going to see my doctor today because it took like a month just to get an appointment. 
And I said, I'm finally going to see my doctor today. I'm so excited that I'm finally going to sleep because I said, I'm going to go to him. I'm going to tell him all my troubles and he's going to give me something, Ambien, anything to just help me sleep. And I wasn't looking for long-term medication. I just wanted him to give me like three days worth of medication so that I could regulate my sleep cycle and then push my body into a normal sleep cycle, essentially. And you couldn't miss your appointments. And you had to go sit in the parking lot of the medical building and you would do your intake over the phone and then they would call you inside. So I waited a month for this appointment. I went to the parking lot to wait anxiously for it to talk to my doctor and wait to be called inside. (laughs) And my appointment time was at three o'clock and at three o'clock came and went and nothing. And so I'm like, okay, maybe he's running a little behind with his patient. At 310, uh, I'm full on panicking in my car, in the parking lot of this medical facility. And because I'm like, what if they forgot about me? Did I get the wrong date? Did I get the wrong time? Did I miss it? Did I miss this call? I kept checking my phone, making sure I had signal. And my anxiety was on full overdrive. And I didn't really understand what was happening at that time. But I was, I was not okay. I was full on just panicking. And so I decided to call myself. I decided to call the front desk and ask them what was going on. And so I called and it went straight to voicemail. And I'm like, wait, what's happening? And so I hung up. I must have called three or four times and the phone call kept going straight to voicemail. And then I see the front desk women who work there walk out of the clinic with their bags and get in their cars and go home. And that's when I lost it. I completely lost it because at that point I was like, they are gone for the day. They completely forgot about me. I waited a whole month for this appointment. All I want to do is sleep. And what am I supposed to do? And so while I was full on having this realization, the phone was ringing because I was still calling them. And it went to their voicemail again. And I didn't even realize it, but when the voicemail said, leave a message or whatever, when I started to talk, I realized I was sobbing, crying, ugly crying in my car. And I left them the most insane message. And I, <laughs> I can laugh about it now because I can just imagine what their reaction must have been listening to it. But it was something along the lines of, I am not okay. I have waited a whole month to talk to you people and you have completely forgotten about me and I've been looking forward to getting some sleep and getting some peace and getting some rest and now I'm not gonna get that and I can't believe that you guys do this to your patients and what kind of help is this? I lost it and the whole time I don't even know if they could understand what I was saying because I was sobbing, like crying. And then I just hung up. I hung up. I sat in my car and I just put my hands over my face and I just continued to cry like a full on, like a toddler level tantrum (laughs) cry. And... In the middle of my 
what I call meltdown, my phone rings and I pick up my phone and I answer and all I hear is Mrs. Ramirez (laughs) and it was my doctor and I was like, yeah. (laughs) And he was like, I just heard your message. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that we had one more appointment for the day and my the front desk is gone, but I heard your message. Are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not okay. I just want to sleep and you guys are forgot about me. <laughs> and honestly, I was like, oh my God, this guy's going to commit me. He's going to send, he's going to call my command. And I was genuinely scared. They were going to call my job because in the military, mental health can be, how can I say this? They will either take you very serious and like full on commit you (laughs) or they won't listen to you at all. It's one extreme or the other. And so I was like, oh shit, I need to calm down because they're going to call my command and I'm going to end up on like suicide watch or something if I keep this up. And that wasn't what I was there for, right? And not that there's anything wrong with that. People go through things, but that wasn't what I was going through. Like I wasn't to that level of distress. I didn't know what was going on with me. And so he was very quiet. He just let me talk. I don't even, I can't even remember all the things I rambled on about but in between the sleep, I started telling him I was, I've been so stressed and I don't know what to do with myself anymore. And I have so much just, I'm always nervous and I can't think straight. And he was just listening. And then at the end of it, he's like, okay, he's, I'm going to write you a quick prescription. I'm going to write you two prescriptions because we're going to help you sleep today. And I was like, okay, thank you so much. Again, still completely sobbing and snot running down my face. Ugh, it was ugly. And then he's like, in the second prescription, it's just it's just an antidepressant. He's and it's only of a 10-day prescription until I can get you to talk to our mental health professional. And I I didn't even I didn't even argue with the man. I was like, I don't care. I just want my sleep medicine. I just want to sleep. By that point, I think I had gone like four days of getting maybe two hours of sleep a night. And that really messes you up. So I was like, yeah, sure, sure. And so I finished sobbing after I hung up with him because I had to pick up my toddler. He was only three... No, he was two and a half at the time. He wasn't even three years old. And I had to pick him up at the daycare center. And I didn't want him to see me that way. Because babies, no. They just, they see their mamas and they see that their moms are not okay. And I couldn't stand the thought of my baby seeing me like that. And thank goodness for masks, I tell you. Because I I was, like, my eyes were swollen, because I had been crying so much and my nose was completely red and I just had, 
It was just ugly. But uh, so I put my mask on. I went and picked up my baby and then I went home. And then once I got home, I talked to my husband and then I just broke down all over again, like just crying. But I picked up my medication and I went to sleep. And as a result of that, I ended up talking to a mental health professional about, I would say only four days later. I don't know if it was because they categorized me as absolutely like level 10, <laughs> but they got me the fastest mental health appointment I've ever had in my naval career. And when I sat down with him, he just let me talk. And what he said to me was super interesting. And I always encourage people now that I've been through it to talk to your mental health provider and talk to a professional. And even if you don't think it'll help, just go, just do it. Because worst case is you get to vent to someone like freely and openly for an hour best case you get to vent and you get to have an epiphany about something that you've never really thought about which is what happened with me my doctor asked me about my life and so I told him I, I started to talk about my professional life and he's like no no, no. he's like, I want to know your personal your personal life T tell me about your childhood and tell me about this because he was under the impression that whatever was going on for me with me had been going on for a very long time and he was trying to figure out what was the cause of this stress? And I kept thinking, whoa, it's work. It's a pandemic. It's all these things that are happening. And while that was a contributing factor, that wasn't the cause. And after a couple of sessions, he's okay. So here's what I'm gathering. You have been taking care of people since you were old enough to do so since you were about five years old you have been caring for your little brother you when your other brother was born you were caring for both of them you cared for your mom when she wasn't doing well you cared for you have always been the person that has taken care of everybody and you have carried that into your professional life and you're still there doing things that other people should be doing and you're doing more than what is expected of you all because you have this thought this feeling that if you don't you're gonna let people down somehow you have something that you need to prove to them or yourself or society or your parents or your <laughs> to everybody that you're you're gonna be there no matter what he's like and that essentially has giving you this chronic level of anxiety that no child should have and I I stared at him and at first I was like nah but is he right <laughs> I went back and forth and then I realized he was 100% correct it was 100% accurate and I wasn't I may have been depressed during that short period of time just because everything just came to a very panic explosive moment but it was all a result of anxiety and you know, to get officially diagnosed with chronic and severe social anxiety was not shocking to me <laughs> I always joke with people and I tell them 
like, oh no, I don't do the post office. I can't go to the post office. They're like, why not? I'm like, because when you go to the post office, they start asking you all these questions. There's 50 pieces of paper and you're like, which little slip is the one that I need for my one package? And then you're like, well, which box do I need to send? Do, do I do it priority or do I do it this? And then I start to panic and then I end up just leaving with my package and I just won't send it. Like, I, I won't do it. And people are like, that's ridiculous. You're being ridiculous. And I believe that for so long, but no, it's not ridiculous. It's called social anxiety <laughs> and it's a real fucking thing. And people who know me at work and have seen me work don't realize that this is something that I even struggle with because when I'm at work, I'm very secure in the way that I need to do my job. And I, at least I think I don't come off as someone who's insecure, as someone who's unsure of herself. If I don't have an answer, I say, I don't have an answer for you, but let me find out. What they don't know is the extreme panic that happens after they leave. And I'm like, oh shit. And I pull out like 50,000 instructions and try to figure out what the answer is because I have to get them the answer. What if I can't? What if I, I don't, I give them the wrong answer? And what if I can't find the answer? And what if I need to call someone to ask them and now I have to talk to another person? They don't realize the internal dialogue that happens afterwards. But what I never asked myself was, why the need to please? Why do I need to please everybody all the time? And it's different than being a people pleaser because that's a thing too. <laughs> It's different than that because I will tell people no. I mean, I'll tell people to fuck off if they if they upset me and obviously in a much more respectful and professional manner if I'm at work. But I will say no and I'm pretty good and firm about standing my ground. However, it's because I've consistently felt that I do not belong in this place, that I have to be extremely better than anybody else like there could be someone doing the exact same job the exact same pay grade in the exact same position that I am and I will feel like I have to do a better job than that person because of my background because I am Latina because I'm a woman because I was once an illegal immigrant because I'm naturalized citizen. I'm not born here. And I know it's ridiculous. And I've gotten it in my head that if I'm just good, if I'm like a good little chief, <laughs> that it will be enough. That I will be enough. And the truth is, that's not the case. Because when you give and give and give trying to fit in, you're not doing it for yourself. You're no longer doing things that make you happy. You are doing things to make other people happy. All in an attempt for you to feel like you are truly a part of that world. And, it, and you will never feed that need to prove yourself. And so I say all of these things to say that imposter syndrome can lead to so many fucked up things. It led to my extreme anxiety because nobody ever talked to me about this and told me that these feelings 
were not only common amongst our community, but also inaccurate. And nobody told me how to deal with them. Nobody said, hey, what you're doing is not only enough, it's more than enough. And it's okay for you to stop, say no, draw your boundaries and go take care of you. Uh, So I say this to say to younger people or anyone who's going through this, if you're going through this now at this stage of your life where you're trying to figure out what it is that you need to do or you're feeling like you're pleasing people or you're in a job that you absolutely hate because you don't feel like you belong or you don't feel like you deserve to be in the position that you are, first of all, you deserve everything that you've worked for. If you worked your butt off to be where you are, You deserve to be there and you deserve that recognition and you deserve that space that you've taken up and that seat that you've built for yourself at that table. That's your seat. Take it. For those of you who feel like whatever you do is never going to be enough, ask yourselves for who. Who are you doing this for? Are you doing this for an organization, for your employer, for your friends, for your family? What part of that is for you and where are those lines of doing things for other people because I can tell you this without a doubt honestly my job is just that it's a job I used to think of my job in the Navy as my career and I used to think of it as my my life's work and now after having gone through all of the things that I went through. And by the way, when I went through these things, I can genuinely tell you that you are so replaceable. (laughs) You're replaceable. Somebody else is going to do your job. And that's hard to say, but it's the truth. You may love your job. Your job doesn't have to love you back. And that was something I had to come to terms with to realize that I, I needed to draw those lines and I needed to draw those boundaries. And let me tell you, the day that I made that decision, it was like I woke up. Suddenly I started to look for things that I wanted to look for in myself my entire life and never felt like I could. It was taboo to focus on myself when I had so much more I needed to accomplish. But the fact of the matter is that I am perfectly satisfied in how I do my work and I will always give my work 100%. I will always show up and do my absolute best and I will do the best for my sailors and I will do the best job that I can. That's just how I like to work. But that 110%, (laughs) that 110% is no longer there because that's reserved for my personal endeavors. That extra effort and that extra stress is going to be because I'm taking that on for something that is truly meaningful to me and something that I'm genuinely passionate about. And that's my family. That's my personal goals, whether it's writing creatively or doing this podcast. That's my passion. This is this is what I want to do. And when my job is no longer there, To me, this is what's going to be my legacy. These are the things that my children are going to look. They're not going to go look at how many awards I got in the military. Honestly, 
Like that means nothing to them. They can say, oh, my my mom served. Yeah, great. That's freaking awesome. She was the first one to serve in our, our entire family. But I can do so much more. And this sounds ridiculous, but it doesn't mean like I can go be a billionaire outside or something like that. No, no, no. It means I can do something that's so much more meaningful to me. And they can genuinely say my mom, despite being in the military and having that commitment, chose to follow her passion and found something that truly made her feel like she belonged where she was. And she learned how to exist in both places. And to me, that's a lot more. That's the kind of legacy that I want to build for my children. I don't ever want them to feel like they don't belong somewhere or to downplay their expectations, to downplay their talents because of who they are. I don't ever want that for them. So recognize your position, recognize yourself wherever you are and be proud of the things that you've done. And if you can't find any pride in them or if you don't feel like that's enough, go find something else. And I don't mean quit your day job because we don't all have that luxury. I can't. I'm contractually obligated to serve another six years. So it is what it is. But if you can and you're able and you have a support system, then go do it. What the fuck are you waiting for? Time is not going to stop on your behalf. Things are going to get harder. Society is... I can't even begin to talk about everything that's going on in the world. But this is the time. If not now, then when? So, yeah, I just want to talk about that and just rant a little bit about my own experience. And obviously, mental health has been a big part of this episode. I am not ashamed to say that I sought help because it genuinely made me a better mother, a better wife, a better friend, a better chief. So if you are experiencing any type of mental health crisis or are wondering if you need help or, or are worried about the stigma behind it, don't. Just go do it. Who gives a fuck? Go seek the help that you need. It's okay if you're a little depressed. We've gone through a fucking pandemic. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to be stressed. All of those things are okay. (laughs) And there's ways to cope and deal with it. And they don't have to be through medication like it was for me. But if it is, then who gives a shit? I don't care. (laughs) I did. I could tell you that in my culture, it's not something that is very socially acceptable. But I don't give a shit. Those people don't pay my bills. Nobody does. And like I said, I'm a better person for it. And... I'm like a huge advocate of just go get the help that you need. If you need to be on medication, be on medication. If you need to go do fucking yoga, go do yoga. If you need to read, read. Do what you need to do to get yourself better. So, yes, huge shout out for mental health professionals. You guys are amazing. But, yeah, this is happening in our community, not just to me, but to a lot of people. Again, black, indigenous, people of color, 
women, Latinas. This is something that's normal for us and we need to talk about it more. So with that, I will leave you and we will conclude this episode. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, I hope that you do. Leave a review. I always post questions if you want to participate. I'm going to see if I can add messages so you guys can leave me voicemails. That'd be cool. You can follow us on Instagram at Chingonas Only Club. Also on TikTok at Chingonas Only Club. And we now have a website, chingonasonlyclub.com. And if you'd like to support the show, like I said at the top of the episode, you can with either a one-time contribution or a monthly contribution. Once we get our merch up and running, then we're going to be posting it on the website and I'll announce it. And I think we're going to do discounts for people who have made contributions. And then my first 10 subscribers, you guys are going to get a free goodie from us to you for as a thank you. So again, I love you guys. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you guys next week. Adios.